are going to have uh, this lesson. I've got two other lessons, and we'll have taught through um, not only the first series, but the, all of the parables of Jesus, and we'll have finished with the miracles of Jesus. And um, so next week and the week after will be the last two lessons, and, um, and that'll be it. We'll start a new series after Memorial Day weekend. I think we're going to have our missionary, Lawrence Evans, will be here on Memorial Day weekend, and he'll be reporting what's going on in his ministry and also Sally's Kitchen in Romania. But we're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 12 through 16. Let's read these, then we'll have a short word of prayer, and we'll get into today's lesson. The Bible says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee after forever. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast them out that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering, saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he shall, which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. And if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Pray. Lord, we ask that you'd bless our Bible study this morning. Speak to our hearts through your word and by you, Holy Spirit. Lord, be with the Sunday school classes downstairs. Bless all of the efforts there. Open the hearts of the students. Be with the teachers as they teach their lessons. Be with the junior church hour to follow and uh, bless the morning worship service. Help us today in all that we do and all that we say. Bring honor and glory to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the fig tree. This account is found in the Gospel of Matthew. It's also found in the Gospel of, obviously, Mark. We just read it here. 
And so notice, if you would please, on your handout, because this kind of sets the tone, uh, the opening statements for the entire lesson. So that Jesus would curse a fig tree in some ways can be surprising because we just don't see that uh, in the scriptures. Um, but he's going to use this fig tree as, as a lesson here. And he's not angry at the fig tree because he's hungry. Uh, but he sees here, and, and personally, I think that Jesus already knew that this fig tree did not have figs on it, but that there's a much deeper lesson here that we're going to see. And really, he could have, he had, we've already seen through the miracles, uh, if Jesus wanted to, he could have put figs on the fig tree. I mean, we've seen him twice feed the multitudes with a few loaves of bread and a few fishes. So there's something much more here than just uh, him being angry because he can't have something to, something to eat. So when we consider the time and place of the event, we understand it better. So Jesus is nearing Jerusalem. We're coming now towards the end of his earthly ministry. In fact, the beginning of chapter 11, if you notice here, it's Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And um, where he tells the disciples to go into the village and to find a cult, and they find the cult, and, and um, uh, they loose the cult, and they give it to him, and um, he rides into, into Jerusalem. But he's left. He's in the little town of Bethany, which is just a, a couple of miles away from, from Jerusalem. So like a suburb, if you would, of Jerusalem. And um, the fig tree, you'll see here, is going to symbolize really the state of the nation of Israel. In fact, in the Old Testament, if you just do a word search, you'll find this idea of Israel and figs and vineyards found all throughout. But notice on your handout, Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 13. Jeremiah said this, I will surely consume them, saith the Lord. There shall be no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree and the leaf shall fade, and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. So, just as the tree had leaves but no fruit, so Israel had shown signs of religion, but no practical experience of faith resulting in godly living. In fact, really, the book of Jeremiah, a lot of the book of Jeremiah is about the temple existed, but they really almost were worshiping more the temple than they were worshiping the God of the temple. And um, the tree here is meant to teach the disciples some important biblical truths, and then we can learn from them, obviously, as well. But it's important to remember that the primary interpretation of the text relates to Israel, although we're going to see we can make a personal application to it. So the time for Israel has run out. Forty years after this event, the Romans would destroy the temple and come in and, and conquer um, the city, and the people of Jerusalem would, would be scattered. In Hosea chapter 9, verses 10, and then verses 16 through 17, it says this, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree of her first time. But they went to Belpeor and separated themselves unto that shame. And their abominations were, scat were according as they loved. 
Ephraim is smitten. Their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit. Yea, though they bring forth, yet will I slay even the beloved fruit of their womb. And my God will cast them away because they did not hearken unto Him and they shall be wanderers among the nations. So in, when Jeremiah wrote what he wrote, uh, Israel was in captivity then. They would return and God would graciously return them to Israel. But now Jesus has come and He has ministered to them and by and large He has been rejected of them and just a short time after what we are reading here, Jesus would go to the cross and He would be crucified, buried, and rise again from the dead. But the nation of Israel had rejected Him. And uh, this is the second time that Jesus goes into the temple. Right at the very beginning of His ministry, He went into the temple, and much of the scene is exactly the same. And so here for three years, He's been, just like the prophets of old, trying to teach and preach the people there, but they have ears, but they're not listening to you know, what's being said. And um, the Lord comes now, as we've already read, and um, He sees this tree, and uh, there's no figs on the tree. The only thing that's on the tree is, is leaves. And so it's really symbolic. So Israel existed... But as a nation, spiritually speaking, they're not producing fruit. And, um, and again, the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So a couple of things here before we get into this lesson here. Uh, number one, if you notice it on your hand, not just these two thoughts, the Lord has every right to inspect the fruit. Amen? Every right. Um, I remember um, when I visited um, Deborah's uh, family farm, the family farm, um, oh, I'm getting a little bit emotional about this. Deborah's father was so proud of his farm. And he took me, he, would, he took me for a ride around that farm and showed me the different places, the different crops and how you did things. And, um, and, and then when the crops would grow, I guess you'd have to inspect the crops and know what type of, uh, I don't know if they would call them pesticides, but you know, I remember him just showing me all of that. It was his farm. He, he, it was obvious. <laughs> I think I'd get emotional about this one. He loved his farm and took such pride in it. And he had every right to inspect his farm and, um, and all that was there. But the Lord has every right to inspect his vineyard because whether we're talking about the Old Testament, Israel, or we're talking about you and me, we are part of that, that vineyard. And uh, he has every right to inspect your life and my life he has every right to inspect this church as a body of believers. And secondly, fruit is what the Lord earnestly desires. Elsewhere in the Scriptures, we remember that Jesus said, ye shall know them 
by their fruit. So with regards to Israel, we see a couple of things here. There was always the possibility of failure, and then there's also, we'll see these, just these two points this morning. There's the possibility of faithfulness. So notice in verse 15 again of the text. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast them out that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. So it had become a commercial place. There were people merchandising and there were people making money. The idea here is that their hearts really were more into how much can I make because the Jews would come and they'd have to buy the sacrificial animals for the priests to offer up as sacrifices and they would do quite well at it. Sometimes maybe... Uh, charge more than, than they should, and, and especially the doves. The doves were the least expensive sacrifice, and at times perhaps they were charging uh, exuberant prices. And people would travel from, from miles and miles to come to offer up these sacrifices, and once they got there, they would have to pay the price. And Jesus sees this, and it, and it, just, it just burdens him with regards to what was taking place here. And uh, it said, look at it said in verse 16, and he would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. So apparently, the temple is there, and people are passing to and from. They really haven't come to worship there. It's just a shortcut from one side of the city to another side of the city. It's just kind of a convenience type thing. And so in Jesus' mind, and in our mind, the temple... The temple was there to come as a place to pray, to worship God, to get close to God. And it wasn't that way any longer. The temple was still important. People still went there. But it became more of, let's say, a social gathering than it did a spiritual gathering. It became more of a routine, a ritual, than really to have a relationship with the one true living God. It was all about formality and uh, not so much about spirituality. Now, this idea with regards to the fig tree and the disciples seeing this, Jesus taught us a parable. We, taught, we, we looked at this parable when we did the series on parables, and I have it here for you on your handout. It was Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. So prior to this event, uh, several years, perhaps the first year of his ministry, I believe, if I have the timetable correct, Jesus taught this parable. Then said he unto the dressers of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? So you understand what this parable is here. The parable is there's, fig, there's a fig tree and... Um, the people who take care of the figs on the fig tree, the dressers, they, they maintain it. They look at this and this tree and uh, they say, well, for three years, this fig tree has been here and um, uh, there's no figs on it. And it's just taking up space. It's really of no value. And he says, well, let's just cut it to the ground and get rid of it. And he answering said unto them, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig around it and dung it, and it bear fruit. 
And if not, then after that, we'll cut it down. So you understand what the idea is. The, 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 the dresser says, well, wait a minute. Let's not cut it down quite yet. There's a little bit of life left in it. Let's dig around it. Let's fertilize it. Let's take care of it. And maybe after this year, we'll see what happens. And so Jesus used this parable. And uh, of course, uh, it wasn't only in the Old Testament when the prophets came and they preached and they tried to draw the people back to God. But now here's Jesus trying to bring life back to a nation that's really gotten a long ways away from the Lord. And it's indicative of what's happening here in the temple. The callousness, or, or really kind of the carelessness. And he said in verse 17, because this is, the, this is the failure that's taking place. My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. It's quoting out of the book of Jeremiah. It's repeating itself. Same thing, one of the same reasons that that the Israelites were taken into captivity as they wandered from worshiping God back in the Old Testament and they were conquered by the Babylonians and um, gotten away from the things of God. And so Jesus taught, taught that parable and He's there in the temple. And then the scribes and the chief priests, they, they hear this, they hear Him rebuking what's taking place there and... Um, they wanted to destroy him. They didn't. They feared Jesus. I think they feared him because if he's, if he's rebuking what's taking place in the temple, then the same way he's rebuking the people who are leading the temple, which would be the scribes and the priests. So as I thought of this. I thought about now, so that's that's the primary application of this. It's talking about Israel. But there's a personal or a modern day application as well. And in fact, especially living here in New England, we we see it and we're reminded of this. Just go drive through North Adams or go drive through Adams and you'll see church buildings that one time were filled with people that very few people are left. Drive around the countryside and you'll see churches that are boarded up. Or drive up into Wilmington and there was a church there that one time preached the gospel and now it's a, uh, they sell artwork there. We see that. We see that churches dry up. And uh, for one reason or another. Now, I'm not going to say that every church that ever closed its doors and is shuttered in New England is because they were not faithful to God. That would be unfair. There are other reasons sometimes. I have a friend who attends a church up in the uh, White River Junction area who he started a church. In fact, they were fairly successful. He had five families and in one year, all five of the families moved from the area. He just was very discouraged, and he just couldn't. He's still involved in ministry, but he just had put his all of his time and all of his effort into what had taken place there, and he just so that church closed. But on the other hand, there are churches that one time were hotbeds of the gospel that preached the word of God. And um, 
got away from that. And in New England, we see that. Um, not only in New England, of course, but you know, wherever. So there's that, always that possibility of failure. And, um, but we don't only see it in churches. You see it sometimes in families, where families at one time gathered around the Word of God. Maybe not even always literally, but in many ways figuratively, they just were a family that they prayed before meals. They took their family to church. They, you know, you can paint the whole scenario yourself, but somewhere along the lines, they got away from the things of God. Other things became more important. Or marriages that fell apart. Where one time, a husband or a wife loved the Lord and served the Lord and whatever and however. Just like the Israelites, they were and had their attention diverted from the things of God. The temple is still there. So in my example, the church, the building, is still there. But the temple, the temple really um, signifies an inward corruption that takes place somewhere along the lines. An inward getting away from the things of God. The Bible's filled with examples. Not an entire nation, Israel, did that but in our personal lives as well, to be careful of that. It's the possibility of failure. Jesus sees the failure here. In Mark chapter 7 and verse 6, something that Jesus said, He answered them and He said, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And that's so true. So you and I should always be and always recognize the possibility of failure in our personal walk with the Lord, in our family's life. Uh, be aware of that. But there's always the possibility of faithfulness. Look at verse 20. And in the morning they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. That's an interesting, from the roots. Because um, I remember two years ago, they, they, there was an article I read in a Vermont paper that said if you had apple trees, there was a blight that hit the apple trees. So when your apples and your leaves fell from the trees, it was important to get them off the ground from under the apple trees. There's a lot of, a lot of apple trees up where I live, all over the woods, and, and I have several in my yard. I don't know how they got there. They're big. They're old but we make cider out of them. And there's one tree, you could actually, the apples are pretty good to eat. Sometimes they're not cutting the grass. I just kind of pick an apple and, and on my way. But they said, get the leaves and get the, don't let your apples lay on the ground. Some people like to let them lay on the ground because they like the deer to come in and eat the apples. But there's a blight. So they said, get them off the ground, get them away from the trees because the blight will get into the soil. Then the blight will get into the roots and it'll kill the apple tree. So here Jesus gives us this example about the affecting of the roots. Make sure your roots are strong in the Lord. Amen? But there's the possibility of faithfulness. Verse 20. Again, they passed by, they saw the fig tree up from the roots. Peter calling to remembrance of the master, behold, the fig tree which is cursed withered away. 
Jesus answering, he said unto them this, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he hath said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he asketh. That was an old Jewish proverb I read. I didn't know that until I did some studying on this. And the idea is, listen, with God, with man things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. But just we just have a few minutes left. And so I just sat down and I did my own inspection of my own life and um, just thought about some things with regards to the possibility of faithfulness. So first, it's, of course, it always starts with faith. You can't be faithful to God unless you have faith in God. Amen? So we're talking about believers here. But if the Lord was to inspect my life, if I'm the fig tree, what kind of fruit would he find on this tree? And so I thought to myself, well, first, I need to always be faithful to God before I'm faithful to any person or any institution. Faithful to God. Jesus said, thou shalt love... Well, let's read Mark chapter 12 together. It's on your handout. Let's read it together. Let's begin. And thou shalt love... You got it there? You ready? You can read it out loud so I can hear you read it. All right? Let's begin. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So as I inspect my life and as you inspect your life, do I love him with all my heart, with all my soul? Am I endeavoring to love him that way? Do I think about it? Or do we just kind of take that casually? Because we've heard that before. Do I really endeavor in my life to, to love him with all my heart? Because there are so many things trying to draw away our affection. And so, if the Lord's going to find fruit in my life, I need to be faithful to Him. I need to think about Him. Whether I'm at church or at work or socializing or whatever I'm doing, am I being faithful to God in all that I do in my personal life? Am I faithful? Are we faithful to one another? Because this is part of the fruit that Jesus looks at in our lives. A new commandment I give you, he said, is that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. And in order to do that, I've got to be faithful. I've got to be faithful. If he's going to find fruit in my life, as you as my brothers and sisters in Christ, I need to be faithful to you, and you need to be faithful to one another, to build one another up in the faith. That's the fruit that Jesus is looking for in our lives, to be an encouragement to one another, or sometimes even to speak the truth uh, in love, although sometimes that might be hurtful. Part of that, too, is you noticed when he was talking about prayer, uh, when he said, when you stand, verse 25, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is heaven, may forgive your trespasses. If you not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trust. A forgiving spirit for one another. Would Jesus find that fruit in your life? As opposed to bitterness or anger or holding a grudge. 
Am I faithful in my prayer life? That's the fruit. Jesus is examining our lives. Does He see that we have a vibrant prayer life? Do we have time that we spend with Him? Luke 18 says, And He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That was another parable. We don't have time for you to get into that parable. Well, I'll tell you, if you remember when we talked about the parables, there was a woman that went to a judge, and the judge was annoyed in this parable by this woman who kept coming to her over again and over again and over again. And in the parable, finally the judge says, okay. Now Jesus is never annoyed when you and I go to him with our prayers. Remember, a parable is an earthly truth um, uh, teaching us about a heavenly lesson. So the point of that parable is if this judge who was annoyed by this woman, answered her request. God, who was never annoyed by our requests, wants to answer our requests. But this is all part of fruit. Do I love God with all my heart? He's examining me. Am I faithful? To, are we faithful to one another? My prayer life. Am I faithful in my prayer life? My spending time with the Lord regularly. Am I faithful to the Bible? These were not more in Acts, the, the believers in Berea. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures. How often? Look at it. What does it say? How often? How often? Daily. Do you and I search the scriptures daily? You don't remember, the Bible says that you and I, we will all give an account. There's, a, there's an examination. The fruit is going to be examined. Or are, is our life more like leaves? It's a good show on the outside, but there's no figs. Faithful to the Bible. Faithful to the local church. Remember, this establishment that we have here is Jesus' idea. It's a biblical idea. It's not man's idea. Man didn't one day wake up and say, hey, Let's just have an organization. We'll call it the church and people will come. And No, Jesus said, that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Are we faithful to the local church? Thankful the last couple of weeks we've been doing some painting and several of the guys have come and helped me. Appreciate that. They turned what really for me personally probably would have been three to four days worth of painting into a day and a half worth of painting. Appreciate that. Are you faithful to the local church? Do you pray for the local church? Do you invite people to the local church? There's so much. Each of these points you could preach a whole message on. Uh, about Are you faithful to the finances of the local church? Are you faithful to, to all of these things that are involved in it? I'm thankful we have faithful people to the church who, who teach and help clean and, and who do music. And, and um, Brother Jim and I, uh, yesterday, we were out handing out tracks and trying to drum up people to ride the bus. And um, Brother Jim and I, have, Atherton and I have been doing that since almost since the time you came, you started coming to church. And um, so I appreciate those things. And in just a few weeks, we'll have one Saturday looking for people to go out and try to invite people to the local church. So 
Being faithful to the local church encompasses more than what you're doing right now. Just kind of showing up. And I'm appreci- I appreciate the fact that you show up. But what else do you do? The sound people in the, in, uh, in the booth, man, I don't want to leave you guys out. I see Steve looking at me like this. <laughs> appreciate all of that. But being faithful to the local church is there's more involved than just not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. So these are just a few things. There are many more, but I just sat down and I wonder when Jesus examines my life, will he find figs or will it just be leaves? Will he find fruit? So we have to ask ourselves that question. And... um, that's the meaning of the, that's the miracle here. The miracle is Israel, Israel, in forty years at this from where we're reading here is going to be. The Romans are going to invade, take control, and destroy the temple. And uh, that day was coming. It was a. It repeated itself in history with regards to the nation of Israel. So, again, that's the primary application. But in your life and in my life, what's Jesus going to find? You shall know them by their fruits. Are you bearing fruit? You have to ask yourself that question. Actually, you have to ask the Lord that question. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. and Thank you for the opportunity that you give us to gather and open up your word. Uh, Lord, help us to examine our lives. You remind us... uh, in your word to do that. I'm reminded of what David said in the psalm, search me, O Lord. Search my heart. Examine us, Lord. Just be sensitive to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.